0: Oh God take our lips and speak through them take our minds and think through them take our hearts and fill them with love for you in Christ's name we pray amen it is such a delight to be with you in person at st. Paul's Bloor Street and also to greet those who are online coming to us from home or from abroad to be present here this morning and to be here with uh, my wife Mary, and also to be here with your rector. Bishop Jenny, where did she go? There she is. Jenny, I so miss you and the College of Bishops, but I fully understand why you have planted yourself back in this place as home, for your enthusiasm, for your leadership, for the joy that you bring for the gospel, we are so grateful. And also to Tyler, wherever Tyler is, um, Tyler, for your gift of teaching and of formation, of your gathering of the community and faith, I am so grateful. And to Ben, there's Ben, um, who is on a whole new journey uh, and is being r- wrapped and formed in this congregation, I am so grateful to you. For all of the clergy who serve at St. Paul's Blur Street, I am grateful. Our clergy are important but more important still are you ministry is not an enterprise solely for those who are ordained it is one that we are called to by virtue of our baptism it is God who has given us gifts it is the Holy Spirit who weaves all of those gifts together into the mystical body of Christ when you say yes to your baptismal covenant the kingdom of God comes near. When you say yes in offering your time, your talent, your treasure, the church comes to life. When you say yes to faith in a world that is so broken, the mystical body of Christ is made known in our midst. And today at the 11 o'clock service, we celebrate when one is being baptized and 15 are being confirmed, saying a deeper yes to the faith that is in them. And I'd like you to go home today and just to take those names one by one and to offer a deep prayer for them that the Spirit of God will kindle a new fire within them. We have learned this week that where there is fire, there is smoke. And it started early in the week, just a gentle breeze and a waft of smell, almost like a distant campfire, that over the course of the days would intensify and the quality of our breathing and air went down. The fires raging so many thousands of kilometers north in Quebec would find their way down through the states affecting the air quality in 24 states of the US. Sometimes that air quality is so poor in New York City that they had to cancel or postpone flights going in and out of LaGuardia. 4.3 million hectares of this land have already burned so early in the season, 15 times the annual rate. On the one hand, it is overwhelming to consider what is happening around us, and yet, on the other hand, we know well the angst and the fear that we have been contending with in the face of climate change and crisis. Philosopher Glenn Albrecht from Australia coined a new word in 2003, solastalgia. Perhaps you've read about it. It derives from the word solace or desolation and nostalgia. He says it's the feeling of being homesick while at home. That sense of home is changing so much around us that we long for what we have lost. A profound sense of grief of the world in which we live that is changing so rapidly And the smoke that wafts down from the north reminds us of this. And while it's easy for us to lose a sense of hope, when we live in a changing climate and we grieve for what we have lost, and especially when we read the news every day, there's a growing sense of anxiety and profound grief. Along comes Paul. Some would say that the letter to the Romans is his greatest work. And if that is true, then I would say chapter 8 of the letter to the Romans is one of the most profound invitations to step inside the mystical experience and relationship with God through Jesus wrapped in the presence of the Holy Spirit. If I can encourage you alongside praying for the 15 names Of young people who are being confirmed today, I would ask you to place in your heart and memorize the words of this portion of chapter 8. Instead of acrid smoke of desolation comes this wafting incense of blessed assurance and an antidote to solastasia And a deep invitation to be at home in God. And in our reading today, he begins with suffering. I consider the suffering of these times nothing in comparison to the glory that awaits us. We know that the whole creation is groaning, as in the groaning and pain of labor. And not just creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit who wait for adoption, the redemption of our bodies. And he names suffering first. And all of us in this room have lived life long enough to know suffering. Whether physical, emotional, social, injustice, pain of spirit. And some of that suffering we have learned to accept. Some of that suffering we try to smother and cover over. And some of that suffering we run as fast as we can away from it. Richard Rohr once talked about the little part of the Lord's Prayer where it says, deliver us from evil. He says, it's not that we want to avoid suffering. It's almost as if we're saying, Oh God, when the big hurts come, please help me not become bitter and blaming. Because that only leads to further evil. And the invitation to us is to look into the future for the glory that is to come. A glory that is almost inexpressible in words. Like a promised land flowing with milk and honey like a house with many rooms, like offspring more numerous than the stars in the sky at night. And the path towards glory is to envelop ourselves, as Paul would would describe to us, by entering into the suffering of the world. And he uses that wonderful image of a mother giving birth. To behold a mother giving birth. A woman who meets each contraction and pain. come in quick succession. On the one hand, holding and gripping either a bed rail or the hand of a partner or a doula or a midwife, a doctor, a nurse, or whoever is at hand. And holding on for dear life. On the other hand, one that opens to the promise that is about to be of holding new life, that the pain of the present will pass away. And while there are many four-letter expletives that are expressed in a birthing room, nothing more profound than Paul saying the deep groaning of childbirth, that groaning that cannot utter words but simply the, the pain of transformation that is happening and that will be. And we know that the whole creation is groaning and the smoke of the week reminds us of that. And Paul says, and we groan too. We are inextricably connected to the wholeness of creation. For too long, some in the church have embraced the sense that this life is transitory and is to pass by and is, creation is disposable in, in exchange for what is to come. But Paul reminds us that is not so. We are inextricably connected to creation. We're not above it, beside it. We are in it and of it. And our call is to be stewards with it. And even though we have the first fruits, I heard one theologian once say, say, the first fruits of the spirit is like a down payment. We're given the down payment just enough to create home and place and presence with God. I've given just the right amount of grace and forgiveness and love and acceptance and encouragement to face the future and whatever comes our way. As we wait for adoption to be picked up, to be brought home, to be incorporated, to find redemption, forgiveness, freedom, healing, reconciliation together. And what we are invited to step into is that deep and profound hope that we can't quite see, but it grips us. A friend of mine who is a colleague and a cleric, some years ago he and I were talking about grief. And he was relaying the story of a prisoner, an elderly man in his early 80s who had just buried his wife and he was grieving, grieving, grieving. And David went to visit him one day, and as they were pondering and reflecting on the experience, David asked, so what's the hardest thing? Is it you don't have hope? And the man said, no. It's not that I don't have hope. It's that I have hope. If I didn't have hope, I'd just give up. God has planted in each of us who bear the first fruits of the Spirit that deep and profound gift of hope that we are part of this endeavor with God in being brought home. But we do not do it on our own. Thanks be to God for the Holy Spirit. Who intercedes for us. In the Gospel of John, Jesus at the Last Supper says to his disciples, I will send the advocate. I will ask my Father to send the advocate. The word advocate means the one who steps beside, the one who steps alongside, the one who steps inside. And the one who intercedes does the same thing. And what does the Spirit do but groans alongside us as we are being transformed into Christ's likeness in this time and in the future. It is tempting sometimes to allow the Spirit to do all of the work, but it's never been my experience that that lasts for very long. There are moments when we experience the Spirit of God so close to us as to set us a fire and a blaze that fuels us for the next day. And sometimes we are the ones who are called to intercede and to step in like the Spirit does. When I was the rector of Church of the Redeemer down the road, I was daydreaming one day, which I'm wont to do, and a face of a parishioner came to mind, and and I thought to myself, I've not seen this parishioner in some time. And when that happens to me, I'm not sure when it happens to you, that's usually an indication that I should phone them, that it's the spirit just tapping me on the shoulder. I came downtown for a meeting, and as I was going through the King Street subway station, I was coming around the corner at rush hour, the place was full, and who was coming the opposite way and we bumped into each other at a corner. And I looked at him and I pointed, and he looked at me and he pointed too, and there were people filing back and forth, and he said, I was thinking of you today. And I said, I was thinking of you today too. And he motioned for me to walk over to the side of the wall and where he and I just stood, leaning up against the wall with people just passing by. And he opened his heart to me, a profound grief and sorrow that he was feeling. I have never prayed in the subway before. But I was compelled to do it in that moment with him. And the next Sunday, when we saw each other in worship, he said, I cannot believe what happened. And I said, that is the Holy Spirit who guides us to be intercessory prayer for one another. You and I are summoned deep into the world to bring the first fruits of the Spirit, to bring healing and wholeness for the whole world, not for ourselves alone. And we are called to plant ourselves as you do here in this congregation, in this wonderful old building, but also to have the imagination, as you do, to plant new communities around the diocese, one of which I know you've been working on for some time at St. George by the Grange. What a gift to be able to plant prayer in a new neighborhood in downtown Toronto to engage the world at a time when the world needs healing. Our glory is coming. Our glory is coming. But we are called deeply to be present in the here and now. And I close with this little story. My father, who served as a priest, a deacon, and then as a bishop for 66 years, uh, who died at the tender age of 90 on the eve of Easter. Three weeks before he died, he and I were visiting with each other and reminiscing. And at one point I said, Dad, are you afraid to die? And he leaned forward and he shook his head with a sense of unwavering, and he said, I have an unwavering vision of eternity, but I don't want to miss out on anything that's happening here. The Spirit of God is calling us to be deeply present in the life that we have been given that incredible gift of every breath. Glory is coming. It is the promise that is given to us. God, hold you and keep you in the place where you find yourself, and may God set you alight with the fire of love. Amen.